0: about her book, The Business Case for AI. Kavita Ganesan, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me here, Jonathan.
0: It is a pleasure to be with you today. We are neighbors. You're joining us today from Salt Lake City. I'm just south of Salt Lake City. I suppose we could have done this in person, but yeah. we are joining remotely, as I always do when I uh, do these interviews. Most of the time, I'm interviewing people from all over the world. It just so happens we're uh, we're neighbors, neighbors and, and yeah. right next to each other today. But it's a really a pleasure to be with you. Uh, and today we're going to be talking about your book, The Business Case for AI. I think it's a very timely and important. Conversation that needs to be happening within organizations. Of course, organizations are grappling with, you know, AI and and deep machine learning in a variety of ways and in business applications. And of course, the big upheaval that has happened in just the last couple months is. Uh, With uh, ChatGPT and some Mm. of the other tools, and now Microsoft and Google kind of battling it out in that space, you know, all this stuff is happening. I think that's brought it to the public awareness at a much higher level than maybe it was before. Um, So I think it's it's important that we uh, really explore this issue and understand both the challenges associated with deep machine learning and AI applications in the world of business. Um, but also the tremendous opportunities that come with it and why it's important for us to, to leverage these tools. As yeah. we get started, I wanted to share Kavita's bio with everybody. Kavita Ganesan, author of The Business Case for AI, A Leader's Guide to AI Strategies, Best Practices, and Real-World Applications, is an AI advisor, a strategist, and educator. She works with senior management and teams across the enterprise to help them integrate AI and get results from initiatives. With over 15 years of experience, she has scaled and delivered multiple successful AI initiatives for Fortune 500 companies, as well as smaller organizations. She has also helped leaders and practitioners around the world through her blog posts, coaching sessions, and open source tools. She holds degrees from uh, various computer science programs, specifically a master's degree from the University of Southern California, and a PhD from the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, with a specialization in applied AI NLP search technologies and machine learning. She has been featured by numerous media outlets, including CEO, CEO World, Forbes, Katie Nuggets, Authority Magazine, and many others. And Kavita, it's again, a pleasure to have you. Anything else you would like to share with me or the audience by with your background or personal context before we dive on in?
1: I'm also an AI practitioner, very much a hands-on person, but right now I just work more and more with uh, leadership teams.
0: All right. Well, why don't we start by providing some, some basic definitions. I mean, everyone knows the term AI, yeah. um, probably the term machine learning is a little bit less familiar with some people uh, or this idea of deep machine learning. Um, maybe you can explain for the audience who may or may not be terribly familiar with yeah. these terms or really fully understand them. What is AI? What is deep machine learning? Uh, and and then we can get into how these can be yeah. used within business.
1: Yeah. So AI is essentially software automation, but it's a very special type of software automation that tries to mimic human-like decision-making, uh, and the output is usually dynamic. It's based on the input that it receives. And AI is not one specific thing. It's actually a coming together of different sub-disciplines of study, and machine learning is just one of it. So machine learning is all about trying to make predictions by learning from large amounts of historical data. So the system learns patterns and then tries to make decisions on future data points that resembles what it already knows. So that's one area of, machine, uh, of AI. Then there's also AI related to understanding human language. That's called natural language processing. And that's essentially what this chat GPT thing is all about, Um, it's all about NLP. And then you have AI systems that understand images and video frames. So that's called computer vision technology. And just like that, there are a lot of subfields that relate to maybe like robot sensing and movement. That's another area of study. So all of these sub-disciplines come together to solve specific problems. So if you take a robot, for example, um, to understand human language, you need NLP. For the robot to see, you need computer vision. For the robot to move, you need robot sensing and planning. So that's essentially what AI is. It's a coming together of different areas of study to mimic human-like decision-making and behaviors.
0: Yeah, and I'm curious, you're probably familiar with, uh, there have been stories that have popped up in the last day in the New York Times and other mm-hmm. outlets around a, a, a particular um uh, conversation with the being chat bot using uh, built on chat GPT, uh, you know, where it was a little bit unnerving. Uh, people were wondering, is this, uh, becoming a little bit more sentient, uh, for example, um, yeah. are you familiar with these articles in this conversation that happened in the last day or so, uh, any thoughts on, on this concern? You know, we have the movies of like Terminator and, and, yeah. <laughs> and the rise of the machines, uh, where are we at in the timeline, the likelihood of something like that potentially happening yeah. at some point in the future.
1: So when I see these types of articles, I tend to cringe because I understand <laughs> how these models actually work. They are actually learning from large amounts of data. Like chat GPT, for example, has learned the web until year 2021. So it's able to answer a lot of the questions based on what it already knows uh, it, it kind of has this database of answers. So it's trying to generate text with a certain degree of uh, probably uh, certainty. So, which is why it can make mistakes. Um, and you've seen that a lot of articles on how ChatGPT is going wrong and people are surprised. I'm not surprised at all because much uh, AI systems always make mistakes and it's all based on the underlying data. Uh, so it's not really using common sense reasoning the way humans use common sense reasoning it's just generating text with probabilities attached to it
0: yeah and to reiterate you know i I, i'm not an expert in ai (laughs) Um, i don't have all the degrees that you have in this space um but from what i understand we are nowhere close to being hitting the threshold where we have sentient ai yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and so, you know, things like this New York times article that just came out, I think last night, um, mm-hmm. uh, about this, this use case of, of a particular, um, user, you know, providing prompts and event, essentially having this, this conversation where the AI seemed very human and even expressed the wanting to be alive and feeling trapped and et cetera, yeah. you know, um, it, it's all a function of the algorithm. It, it's not actually, um. being self-aware, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. It's not self-aware at all. It's, it's generating what based on what it knows. So maybe there seems conversations like that. It's just repeating uh, similar conversations. So it doesn't really know what it's saying.
0: So for anyone who might have those types of apocalyptic concerns, um, I think you can rest easy. I don't think yeah. that's something we need to be worrying about right now. Uh, and, and I think the bigger concern, uh, you know, at least th- that I have around the use of A- various AI, mm-hmm. um, applications in the workplace is the fact that it does build off of existing data. And, and so I know there's been lots of concerns in recent years around biases that might be embedded, yeah. uh, within the outputs because of uh, the AI using existing historical mm-hmm. data to yeah. then predict, uh, which can then perpetuate gendered biases, racial right. biases, or or yeah. different things like that, and and so that speaks to you know why we we need to still continue to have human oversight over all these things yes. um, to make sure that that's not happening.
1: Yes, and people are very excited about chat GPT type of technologies, the generative AI technology, but I am very uh, concerned about it, not because of the technology itself, because of the potential downstream uh, implications mm-hmm. like biases, plagiarism. Yeah. We are not currently citing sources. We're just generating content, but we don't know if it's true or not. Uh, yeah. yeah, so it's very different from how Google produces answers to us versus how ChatGPT is generating the answers without any citation. And also I think artists have, um, have expressed a lot of concern that their work is being used to generate this new art. So are they supposed to receive royalties or not? So lots of concerns in the misuse and also the downstream uh, issues.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I I think it's good on the outset to kind of lay out some of these uh, Mm. potential concerns, you know, not potential concerns, actual concerns with potential downstream impacts that we need to be very aware of on the outset. Um, So that's very important. But all of that said, the truth is there's lots of upside uh, to the use of these technologies. Mm -hmm. And there's a huge business case for utilizing AI in in meaningful, strategic, you know, targeted ways within Mm -hmm. organizations. So let's go ahead and dive on into that. Um, In your work, what do you see as the biggest business case for AI? And how can it be utilized to contribute to the bottom line of the company?
1: yeah, the biggest use case I would see is in a uh, productivity improvement. And I've seen this a lot with my clients where just one single model gives them uh, a huge boost in their workflow. So let's say you have a customer service workflow where they are look they're manually searching for potential answers. So now if you can have an AI system, push three answers to them automatically, so they just have to vet that one of the answers is actually correct and answers the customer's question. So instead of taking 15 to 20 minutes looking for answers, now they're doing it within a minute. So that's a huge uh, productivity boost. And that's where I see a lot of people, um, like people that are that have started using AI, see value um, in the technology. So in productivity improvement.
0: Yeah. And in the creativity and innovation research, Mm -hmm. there's also a a lot of work that points to the importance of quantity, like just quantity of ideas. Uh, And so I find that when I'm trying to come up with You know, something like a creative title for an article or for my next book or for a presentation or something like Mm -hmm. that. And I'll spend a half an hour sitting there and I'll Google some stuff and I'll jot down some notes and I'll brainstorm and I'll try to come up with different uh, variations of of possible titles. And that's just one little example. You know, Mm -hmm. this could be applied to a lot of things. And I'll spend half an hour, an hour kind of wrestling with that. And eventually I'll come up with something that I am happy with. And usually, and 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 the the research and creativity and innovation to back this up that the quantity of ideas helps to build into better end um, outputs right so yeah. so if I can come up with only two or three ideas chances are none of those three are going to be great if I can come up with ten I, I have a better chance of having yeah. a really great uh, mm-hmm. idea emerge from that if I can come up with twenty even better. Um, and, and one of the things I've found as I've just played with chat GPT a little bit is it's fantastic at just helping streamline yeah. that process of just generating ideas. Do, so yeah. within a matter of minutes, I, I can have 30 ideas and I, I'm thinking of one time I did this a couple of weeks ago, I, I generated 30 ideas. I put in some oh. prompts, I, I refined the prompt. Um, that sort of thing. And I came up with 30 different ideas. I didn't use any of the ideas that chat GPT gave me, but because I had 30 different variations, I was then able to scan over that. I was able to uh, put together something that I felt was actually a really great title and and it ended up working out great. Uh, And so I think content creators are finding as a, as just a means of generating ideas and starting the brainstorming process, it can be really valuable Uh, and and aid in terms of the efficiencies and the productivity piece like you were just mentioning
1: yeah and i use it for the same thing to write my blog posts um sometimes i want to say it in a certain way but i want it to sound a bit different so i use chat gpt to like suggest different ways of saying things so paraphrasing and in the end it's my own words just that chat gpt has given me those ideas yeah definitely it boosts productivity a lot yeah
0: yeah, so there's so many different use cases for boosting mm-hmm. productivity. Uh, clearly, that's a huge boon for businesses. Uh, that I mean, that's the best thing. If you can yeah. ha- have your people doing more quality work in less time without getting burned out, uh, then that's a huge positive for any business.
1: Yeah, and um, that also. Oh, go ahead. Uh, and this can be within any business function. Can be yeah. within sales. Can be within HR, customer service can be in your products and services so it's not like just for um chatbot type applications it can be within any business function really
0: yeah yeah absolutely um so then that brings up a concern that people often raise around well if if this can aid in so much you know increased efficiencies and productivity is it essentially just going to replace jobs so now instead of having a team of you know 10 copywriters uh, now, maybe you only really need two or three. And so what happens to those other people? They lose their jobs. AI is just going to take over. And then, mm-hmm. you know, all this automation, again, whether we're talking about like traditional forms of automation in, in the various stages of the industrial revolution, advanced robotics. Now we're talking about uh, technology, uh, computer technologies and AI. Uh, if if we're replacing tasks and we're replacing jobs, you know, many people see that as a very negative thing and are very concerned about it. Yeah. How would you respond to that concern, uh, still yeah. acknowledging the, the the upside and the benefits to the organization?
1: Yeah, if you look at things like content creation, as an example, so if you use ChatGPT to generate content for you, uh, the factual accuracies of that content may not be, mm. it's still unknown. So you still have to vet that content that it's, In fact, accurate, it's answering the question that you want to answer. Uh, So you still very much need human oversight. Uh, So humans still need to be in the loop and you still need to give the final touches. Um, So the way I look at it, it's going to make us a lot more effective in our roles rather than take take away our roles completely. Because AI systems don't, like I said, they don't have common sense reasoning. They don't have the higher level thinking that we have. So we are the managers of these AI systems. So we're just using them to assist us. And then we uh, put the last touches and we send things off. So humans are very much part of AI automated workflows. Maybe you may have a leaner team, but maybe because your productivity is so high, you may need to hire more people to support the other business functions. And the way AI systems work is that you need subject matter expertise to generate data for you. So, and that data gets fed into the AI system. So you still need humans to provide data, quality assurance, um, solve the higher level things. So we will still very much be there. Maybe our roles will change over time, but I don't think humans are going to go anywhere because of AI automated uh, workflows.
0: Yeah. And I completely agree. And as as I think about uh, labor economics and, and mm-hmm. dynamics of the labor force, we've seen this again and again and again, ever since the, the dawn of any sort of, uh, certainly the industrial revolution, but yeah. any sort of mechanized improvement on process, mm-hmm. we've seen that certain tasks, certain types of work have been displaced and or and replaced by various technologies mm. uh this so this is is just more of the same it's just a different type of technology right. that that's being applied and in each case as you look back at history uh in each case i think in the in the short term there's some pain because people who have done a certain job a certain way you know they may either not want to learn the new system they may not want to reskill or upskill to do some new tasks or some new type of job um and and so they may lose their job and they may feel that discomfort in the short term, but in the long term, it actually vastly improves uh, the type of work that we do, yeah. um, the safety of the work that we do, the overall mm-hmm. work design. Uh, we can end up spending far more of our time in the workplace doing meaningful work, mm-hmm. thought provoking work, the human centered work you know, that makes us who we are rather than the rote repetition and, and the types of stuff that's kind of mind numbing. Uh, and right. so it does mean that there's going to be shifts and there will be displaced tasks and roles and, uh, but there will be entirely new fields developed and that will emerge. There will be entirely new types of professions and jobs and different types of responsibilities that we haven't even thought about yet. Um, That will emerge in the coming years and decades due to these technologies that will displace some. But if if we can lean into the technologies and the innovation, we can reskill, we can upskill and we can be ready for the new types of jobs. There will always be a need for humans uh, to do really important work in, in every organization, that's not going away. It's just the type of work that we're going to do is going to shift over time. Mm -hmm. And overall, I think that's a really positive thing. I I think for, for me as an example, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a professor. Um, I am a consultant, you know, I, I do a lot of things. I 80, 90% of the work that I do, I love, I think it's amazing, but everyone has that stuff that they really don't like doing that they just have to do. And for me, for example, as a professor, grading papers is not my favorite thing. Mm. Like if we can get to the point where I can make sure the students get really amazing, timely feedback on their writing to help them improve. And I don't have to spend hours grading every week. That will be amazing. I will love that. That would be awesome. And the truth is there are new emerging technologies that have you know, over the last decade, that have gotten better and better. That help with that, and it'll get even better. So, what does that mean for me? Does that mean I don't have a job anymore? No, I still have to oversee um, that type of feedback that's going to my students. I still have to provide mentoring and coaching to my students, but it also then frees up time for me to do more consulting work, to do more research, to do the other types of things that are creative and innovative that really energize me. Uh, and so that's just one little example, but I I think you can multiply that a thousand times across all the different types of jobs that are out there and how it's ultimately people will benefit from these, the use of these types of technologies.
1: Yeah. And on the AI side, I see new jobs like AI quality assurance managers, uh, AI data generators. Um, So a lot of uh, potential for new jobs just around AI systems, I feel.
0: So we talked a little bit about displacement and even job loss, um, but also the creation of new opportunities, uh, which I think is is something that's very important. We have to always consider mm-hmm. how can leaders in organizations tell if an AI-powered solution is really generating value for the company? How do you know you know, how do you define AI success? How do you know if if this particular tool that you decide to to, to use or purchase that it's actually making a difference?
1: Yeah, so I would say that three uh, parts to this. One is the model success. So model success is all about if the AI system is working well, uh, if it even worked well during development and if it's working well in production. So is it doing the task that it's supposed to do? So if it's supposed to route customer support tickets to different teams, so is it, how well is it doing? So if that accuracy is acceptable, then the next step we have to see is, um, so how is it impacting the business? Because the whole point of an AI model is to solve a specific pain point. So what is that pain point? How do you quantify that in business terms? So you need to have associated metrics. So maybe, the reduction in time to route a ticket. So maybe you're taking 15 minutes before, now it takes you seconds. Um, So you need to have those metrics in place. So when you start measuring what the AI system is doing for you uh, over like maybe one to three months, then you start seeing, hey, our metrics is actually like significantly improving. So that's how to measure the business side of things. Then there's a third component that we rarely talk about, which is a user component. So who is the consumer of this AI output? So it might be your customer service agent, it could be another system. So understanding that and trying to understand what's your feedback around the AI system will ensure that uh, people actually like the system and they will use it for the long-term. So let's say um, you put out a system, but it requires the human to take 10 additional steps to consume the output of the AI system. So that is um, introducing friction in their workflow. And because you introduce friction, they might just use it for testing, but in the long run, they might just go back to the old manual way of doing things because it's so much more understandable and um, it's easier. So all these three things need to be in the right order. So model success, business success, which is a metric that you'll measure, um, and the user success. So users need to be happy because in the end, they are the ones who are going to use it. And the longevity of the system depends on the end user.
0: Yeah. And if we're thinking about this for a minute, from the human capital perspective, Mm -hmm. you know, there's lots of applications of AI in the HR and people management space Mm -hmm. uh, from the recruitment process, you know, the hiring process, the onboarding process, uh, training, performance management. Uh, There's so many different ways that AI can be utilized uh, to 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 facilitate you know greater levels of efficiency and productivity in these different HR functions, um, and so in this case, that user um, that user metric like you were talking about that user um, element of success is really referring to the applicant experience, right? The yes. the employee experience. How how easy is it for um new employees being onboarded to utilize these systems or existing yeah. employees, et cetera. Right. So yeah. so we can think about it, we can think about the customers in various ways, depending mm-hmm. on what our business model is and what application we're thinking about. And like you said, as long as we think about um those those various steps as you described, uh, we can make sure that any any system, any program, whether it's AI or anything else, is actually benefiting the organization. The
1: organization, yeah.
0: Yep. So we only have a couple more minutes, but maybe as we close today, what is one piece of advice that you would give to any leader thinking about getting started in the AI space if they haven't done it before?
1: Yeah, I have many, but let's start with one. So first of all, if you want to get started with AI, don't start with your data scientists. Start by understanding what is AI. Like it's not a single thing. uh, So understand what it is at a high level and what benefits it can bring to your business. And once you have this high level understanding, try to look for opportunities within your organization. So see where the manual processes, where there's a lot of repetitive work, can AI potentially solve those problems? So trying to understand where the opportunities are will give you a high level understanding, if there are even opportunities in your company. So then you can uh, think about Uh, turning this into concrete initiatives, and then hiring a team to actually support these initiatives. So a lot of times what people do is they hire data scientists first, and then expect them to come up with problems. So that's the wrong way of approaching it, because data scientists are not not going to know the challenges of the business. They are not exposed enough. So it should come from the uh, functional leaders and the executives, I feel it should be a top-down thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, good advice. Yeah. Kavita, this has just been a really great conversation. I really appreciate you taking your time to meet with me and share your insights and your experience with me and my audience. Um, as we wrap things up for today, I just want to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, where they can find your book, and then give us a final word on the topic for today.
1: Sure. Um, so you can find me on my website, so kavitaganesan.com so dot com. so that's where you'll find information about my book you can join my uh, mailing list and I have three free chapters of my book there for preview and um, yeah so that's the best, best place to start out um, connecting with me
0: Wonderful. Kavita, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I encourage my audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Kavita can do for you. Check out the book. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page. And please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level.